Genre. Welcome back to the Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we have reviewed and reanimated the Zom Rom-Com, Shaun of the Dead, one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. And today we are taking one final bite out of Minute 95, uh, which is also which is kind of a cheat because we're combining all of the credits into one episode. So this is like Minute 95 through 100, uh, yeah. essentially. But uh, Come on, you, you, you don't actually care. Yeah, we you don't you don't want us to spend a week covering credits. No. Minute 95 which begins with the credit for directed by Edgar Wright and ends with the credits ending and the movie ending. And you going home. Yeah. I guess uh I guess you know we've got some got some credits that I wanted to talk about. Uh we have a few like a handful of uh questions from listeners and uh and past guests. That might be fun to talk about. So what do you, what do you want? You want to, you want to start with some credits? You want to start with that? You want to start with your music? What do you want to do? Well, yeah, I really only had one bit, uh, one, one note of interest on my end. And that was that, uh, there is a song that plays after, uh, you're my best friend by queen. And that is a, a cover of everybody's happy nowadays by the buzzcocks. And, uh, that <clears throat> cover is performed by the band Ash, which we have talked mm-hmm. about on the show before, but features, Mr. Chris Martin of Coldplay. Oh. What's that what's that final bit of music at the very very end of the credits? The uh bum 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 Oh no, keep going. Uh that would be <laughs> <laughs> that would be the gonk uh oh. from artist Herbert Chappell and uh uh cinema fans horror fans might know it from its inclusion in the original George A. Romero film Dawn of the Dead. Oh, okay. It, it it it's playing over the speakers of the mall at one point towards the end. Okay, interesting. And uh Sean the Dead fan uh, knows this uh song also reappears as the kind of like theme music to the uh the plot hole animatics that we talked about on uh that are on YouTube and the DVD and Blu-ray. Uh oh, the loose ends thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the, the, the gonk plays over that. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, when you say the gonk, I just think of gonk droid, which is a uh, star Wars. Yeah. I, I just think of a little, a little gonk droid, like dancing to this. Yeah. The little, 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 uh, little trash can man. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, man, I just want that to exist really badly now. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, uh, I really like that. There's also a, a remix on the soundtrack, I believe done by, um, uh the the dj that 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 works with uh works with Sean, with uh edgar a lot on his films oh yeah 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 was it was his name ozzy something Oz, Oz, uh, yeah. davis ozzy davis i don't no 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 because it's like a fake it's like not a real name um uh, i don't know Mandius. anyway ozzy Mandius. no it's not ozzy Mandius. uh anyway i i didn't think that i was going to talk about this and that's why i didn't 
look it up. And that's why it's not yeah. on my on my thing. Sorry, everybody. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. There's a there's like a remix that combines that the gonk with the hosts laughing at the zombies, like trying to get to the meat on the in on the zombie fun, the zombie mm-hmm. fun run game show. But anyway, the first the first credit that I really want to talk about is Chris Dickens, the editor of the film. Uh, Chris Dickens, you know, he is, uh, he's, he's, he's a hell of a, he's a hell of a editor. And, um, after Shaun of the Dead, you know, before Shaun of the Dead, he mostly did, uh, TV stuff. Uh, most notably he edited Look Around You which would be a really, yeah. really, you know, that's, that's, that'd be a tough editing job, I would imagine. And then obviously he, he also edited Spaced before that, but outside of Edgar Wright, I guess is what I'm, I'm thinking. Um, Look Around You is a pretty good achievement. But then after, after Shaun of the Dead, he went on and he edited Seed of Chucky, which I always forget is this old. Is, it came out the same year as Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Yeah. Like Thanksgiving 04. Yeah, that's crazy. But he also edited Hot Fuzz. So he he continued working with Edgar Wright on to Hot Fuzz. And then he edited Submarine, the uh, Richard Iowati joint. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. He edited Slumdog Millionaire for Danny Boyle. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Paul. He also did uh, Les Miserables. Uh, Later this year, he has uh, a little movie called Solo, A Star Wars Story. Oh, uh, man. That he is editing. Wow. Well, he's one. So Edgar Wright, one degree away from, I mean, like not like he that, wasn't before. But. That that becomes a theme as we go through some of these, uh, you'll, okay. you'll find. Um, but oh, but yeah, he is he is editing Solo, uh, a Star Wars story, which I can only imagine is the toughest job in Hollywood right now. Yes. Trying to assemble uh, a coherent vision. Mm-hmm. Totally. To make it seem like it's coming from one voice or, totally. you know, like a singular voice. So, uh, so t- you know, hats off to Chris Dickens. Next one I wanted to talk about was Annie Harding, who mm-hmm. is uh, the costume designer on Shaun of the Dead. Very important job. Yes. Um, we talk about how iconic the costumes are in this movie where you mm-hmm. can cosplay as them and they're just they're just wearing regular clothes, you know. Um, and I, I'm always baffled by that, uh, baffled and and, uh, uh, you know, in awe. Of, of that talent. She also was the costume designer on Spaced. She went on to work on Black Books after Shaun of the Dead. So continued working with, or I'm sorry, I guess it was around the same time. I guess Black Books premiered in 2000. So it was pr- prior to oh. Shaun of the Dead. For some reason, I thought it was after, but I guess not. So um, he, he, he was already Black Books as Dylan Moran at that point. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Huh, interesting. Okay. Uh, I don't remember why we thought it was happening afterwards. That's weird. But yeah, she was the costume designer on Hot Fuzz, Run Fat Boy Run, uh, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People, which kind of goes to show you that apparently, you know, Simon Pegg really liked working with her. Oh, yeah. You know, I've actually never seen that movie. It's not great, but it's also not that bad. It's okay. very so, middle of the road. Sure. But uh, yeah, so then she she's worked on... Uh, a lot of other things, but like not really anything super notable. She did not do The World's End uh, or mm. Scott Pilgrim. She mostly stayed in te- television, it looks like. It looks to me like she may have not wanted to leave England, possibly. And that's why she ended up like not continuing to work with Edgar. Because mm-hmm. she did. She worked on the IT crowd uh, as well as episodes, the, uh, the Showtime series. Oh, another thing I've never seen, but I've heard good things. Yeah, it's all on Netflix now. 
I saw. I see. Yeah. It's like Entourage if Entourage was good. So anyway, she she created the Shaun of the Dead costumes. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's a worth, that's oh, worth yeah. a tip she, of the hat. She she really made her dent into the, you know, the, the consciousness of film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this next person that I want to talk about, mostly the thing that that struck me was just like the guy's name. Uh, and that is music supervisor Nick Angel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it has. I, I don't know. I, I I have no idea if it is a coincidence or if you know the character we're about to meet in Hot Fuzz was named after this man. Has to have been uh, right. Has to has have to been. Have been. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he he's done. He he's the music supervisor on like I I mean some really great movies. Uh, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just recently he was the music supervisor on Paddington Two. Uh, but nice. he also did Bridget Jones's Baby, Man Up, Cuban Fury, The World's oh, End. Those, those are fun. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, Attack the Block. Okay, so he so he's a company. I mean, not, yeah. not to discredit, but yeah, it seems like he is sure. he's a member of the company. Right, right, right. Uh, Paul, uh, Pirate Radio, definitely, maybe, Hot Fuzz, Smoking Aces, The Holiday. Uh, <laughs> You know, I Bridget another all of the Bridget Jones movies. Uh, Love Actually, which has a very oh, memorable man. soundtrack about a very boy. Great. Yeah, uh, and uh, Notting Hill, which was his uh, his first credit was Notting Hill. Very imagine very imagine similar. imagine stepping into the film industry and your first movie is Notting Hill. Yeah, that's got to be that's crazy. Yeah, what's so crazy is you know that you. The, you know, naming all of those movies, if you've seen even a handful of those movies, there is a common sound. There's a common mm-hmm. vibe. Yeah, you can you can feel his influence on the soundtracks of those movies. Yeah. You can sense his ear. Yeah, absolutely. Nick Angel. Indeed. Uh and then I just wanted to give uh I wanted to give a quick special shout out uh to I'm not gonna go over her credits, but uh, Rowena Ladbury, who was the script supervisor, who I can I, I can only imagine is like one of the hardest jobs on the set of an Edgar Wright film. Uh, you know, if you don't know what a script supervisor does, their job is to maintain continuity, uh, which between <laughs> all the setups on an Edgar Wright film must be nearly impossible. So just just a hat tip to her. She she brought it. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, the continuity. I mean, honestly, I can only name, I think off the top of my head, only one time that we called out a continuity mistake. Uh, oh yeah, no, well, it, it, it's one of those truly, you know, the, the Herculean task of making your work unnoticeable. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then if we move on to, let's see here. I'm checking to see if this is the right person because I'm not. Yes. Uh, Richard Hewitt, who is the first assistant director on Shaun of the Dead. Interesting because he seems to have possibly retired from oh. assistant directing and become a producer. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I don't normally, I don't hear that trajectory a lot. Usually the trajectory yeah. is you, you, you go from assistant director to director. Uh, it's really interesting seeing uh, someone move from a, being assistant director to producer. It's really interesting. But he was an assistant director, um, most notably, other than Shaun of the Dead, he was most notably uh, an assistant director on Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Oh. 
Yeah. What a what a set that must have been. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I a boring set, I imagine, because it's just it's just literally a green room with people mm-hmm. standing in it. A um, monster behind you. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, he went on There's to become a, a producer. He went on to become a producer. He produced uh, me and Orson Welles, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People, Never Let Me Go, The Theory of Everything. And then most recently, he unfortunately produced The Snowman. uh, Oh, starring the famous Harry Hole. (laughs) Yeah. And then is currently producing Bohemian Rhapsody, speaking of Queen. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Starring Rami Malik. Right. Right. In one of the best casting decisions I've ever heard. Really and good And it has a very exciting director now. Eddie the Eagle. Yeah, the director of Eddie the Eagle. F- fan fucking. To guys, um, yeah. It's if a you, Matthew if you produced joint. Yes. Uh, if you skipped Eddie the Eagle, I did. I did. I skipped it in theaters because I was like, I don't, I, I doubt this is for me. And then I just, on a whim, rented it one night and was totally blown away. It's such a great yeah. movie. It's it'll, so, it'll be the, so good. It'll be the movie where you're like, oh, I'm on, I'm on Taron Edgerton's team for life. Mm-hmm. Great Hugh Jackman performance. Yeah. Yeah. Just a solid rental. If you have a night where you're like, what's what's there to watch? Rent Eddie the Eagle. Yep. hundred percent. Let's talk about the art director because we did. We talked a lot about we complimented the art direction on uh, on Shaun of the Dead a lot. And so um, I feel like we should we should give our due to Kieran Wakefield, uh, who has also worked on films like um, let's see. What do we got here? We got uh, after Shaun of the Dead. Uh, she did films like uh, The Duchess, and uh, she did the the Robin Hood, the uh, uh, Russell Crowe Robin Hood movie, uh, mm-hmm. Prometheus. She was the oh, gorgeous film. Yeah, yeah, she was the art director on Prometheus, and uh, now she runs the art department on um, on uh, on like Outlander. I guess is what she's working on right now. Oh. Oh, now you have seen a, a fair bit of that. I have not. Uh, I think I only saw like the first handful of episodes, and then I and then okay. I was just I kind of lost interest. Um, sure. Not that it was bad, just that it not your cup of tea. Not my yeah, right. Um, I would I I just every time I was watching it, I would rather be watching other things. So there you go. But uh, yeah, so she's uh, she's she's worked on some stuff. Karen Karen Wakefield uh, did a great job on Shaun of the Dead. Uh, and then the last credit I want to talk about is uh, someone who actually has a dual credit in the movie. Uh, he is credited as the storyboard artist as well as uh, the creator of the main titles of the film, which oh, is uh, Edgar's brother, Oscar Wright. Yes. Now, what I didn't know about Oscar, I thought he was just, I mean, in, in typical, you know, sort of, and, and, and I hate this, but in that sort of typical nepotism fashion, sure, um, yeah. I, I kind of just assumed he only worked with Edgar Wright and never, never worked his way up from there. Um, and it did, it did admittedly take him a while to do anything that wasn't Edgar Wright. Uh, but he, he was the storyboard artist on Shaun of the Dead. He was the storyboard artist on Hot Fuzz. Uh, as well, and he, as well as the conceptual designer and head storyboard artist on Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and then he went on to become a concept designer on The World's End, along with Baby Driver, 
But just recently, this year, with Baby Driver, I, 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 you know, with Baby Driver and another film, I think he he has finally kind of like broken through to the other side and is now doing all kinds of things. Uh, most notably, this year he was the storyboard artist for a little tiny movie called Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. uh, which is congratulations to Oscar. Yeah, that's that's huge. And then later this year he will also have been the storyboard artist for Solo, A Star Wars Story. So uh, there's that Another, other connection. Yes, very exciting. Yeah. Um, and then he's the concept artist for The Kid Who Would Be King, which is that Joe Cornish movie I was talking about. Um, Hashtag it's all connected. Yeah, there we go. So And that uh, that crazy bonkers nutcracker movie that I can't wait to see. Oh, that's that is that is absolutely a you movie that I have I, I couldn't have less interest in. The Kid Who Would Be King, which stars Rebecca Ferguson as Morgana and oh, man. and Patrick man. Stewart as Merlin. Yeah, dude. I it would be my most anticipated movie just based on pedigree alone. But like the more I hear about just the morsels that I hear from that movie are just tremendously exciting. Yeah. It opens in September and then uh, what's his name's movie? Uh, Drew Goddard, his movie opens in October. So like right back to back. I don't know why I've always lumped them in my head together, but for whatever reason, it's just like, Oh, attack the block and cabin in the woods are so amazing. And then they just never made a movie since. Yeah. No, and then I mean, they, they both, both have. Around, around tw- yeah, 2011, yeah. 2012. They've both right. been attached to shit. Right, right, right. Totally. I just, I just always associated those two in my head. I wonder if they've ever met, like had like lunch or something and just been like, right, right. Totally. <laughs> like just. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway. More stories. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the, well, those are awesome. the credits I, I picked out. Um, out of the credits to, uh, to talk about. Um Everybody, everybody, everybody in these credits, though, deserves a round of applause because they just. Well, yeah, it, it it's such a labor of love coming from so many different places and work and discipline coming from so many places that it it, re- it really it really does spare. It, 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 it's it's worth it to take a minute and just like thank these behind the scenes people for their invaluable work mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. A, a movie that means so much to so many people. Definitely. All right, so we got some uh, we got some questions, just a couple of uh, of questions, just to sort of wrap us up here. First one comes from uh, listener and past guest of the show Brian Green, who asks, "If you had to hide from zombies in a pub, what kind of beer would you drink?" To which I say, Brian, the first part of that is the first part of the question isn't really necessary for the second part, but well, I think uh, he's asking like if you. If you had just escaped escaped zombies similar to the group and found your way out of bar, what would you be in the mood to drink? Probably whatever beer had the highest uh, alcohol rate in it. Yeah. See, I would go for something like just blue, just basic, man, like a Coors Coors Light. Mm, Really? Okay. Yeah. I I wouldn't want anything like super – just something pure like – yeah, no, I'd go, I'd go, I'd fashion. go for like a nice thick stout or something is probably yeah. what I do. Um, I go for like a PBR. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Cause like, cause, cause that's what I want to drink after like doing work outside. Uh huh. You know, like if I've been working out in the yard or something, I'm just like, I mean, I yeah, I, under- I, I, I guess I understand, but I just, I, I find those beers so revolting that I can't even imagine, 
uh, yeah. <laughs> wanting to ingest any of them. Um, but I, but I get what I get what you're saying. Cause I do, there are uh, like beers that I, that I go to if I just want to like drink a beer and I'm not mm-hmm. like nothing special. I just want to like, maybe like a yingling or something. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, if we're taking beer off the table, I think if I just made it, if I just made my way out of a zombie onslaught and I just got earned myself a drink, I'm going for like some whiskey. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, I'd go for some top shelf scotch or bourbon or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, so there you go. Uh, again. Thanks, Brian. You're an educator. Yes, you are an educator. Literally. So uh, again, past guest of the show and listener, Mark Cabara. He asks, we have both, uh, this is our, our second minute by minute franchise, uh, <laughs> you know, having, having done back to the future minute prior to this, uh, how confident are we with the minute by minute format? And, uh, uh, since, since like this being our fourth film in this, uh, in this format, do we feel like we could do any movie? Does this feel like Back to the Future Minute season four, or does it feel like a totally different thing? What are your What are your thoughts? It definitely doesn't. It definitely feels like a new thing. It feels like a new, different project. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, I, 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 it, I, when, when, when we ended the other show, it really did feel like the end of something. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like our. Yeah, like it's a lot more comfortable than the old show, I think, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, yeah, I really, it really, it does, it definitely doesn't feel like a continuation of Back to the Future. It feels like our, our, like you said, our, our next thing. Yeah. Has anything changed about your process? Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I, 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 I treat it much more like a job now than I did during a little, you know, during the first half of Back to the Future, you know? Uh huh. I, I think I think starting I think I think mentally I started Shaun of the Dead minute like okay we're doing this is my this is weirdly the biggest thing I have going on <laughs> you know it, it, it's time to really put in the effort and <laughs> right yeah so 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 that's so that's been fun that that's a cool place to start it feels less like a lark than yeah. Back to the Future Dead getting started yeah I, I I could see that I could see that especially from your perspective. Um, because I I put in all of that like pre work and then I just was like here's this thing and you're like all right <laughs> cool yeah so <laughs> so uh, yeah from your perspective I definitely see that um, though in general I I find that uh, when I started when when I started doing stuff for Conetto I think I was I was really I was doing Back to the Future a minute I was more nervous about the format just because. I, I was nervous about sort of like standing in the shadow of Star Wars minute at that point. Um, right. Yeah. And, and so I was, I was worried about like screwing up what they started um, in terms of Cornetto minute. Like that was my big nervous thing with that. And I think, I think that actually affects, you can hear at the beginning of that show, I was very overprepared and, um, I don't know, like trying a little too hard with the behind the scenes stuff and oh, that's uh, interesting and things like that. And then and yeah. then I I eventually relaxed on that stuff more because I just realized like, I mean, if you want to know a lot of this stuff, you can just like read a book, you know. And I really <laughs> just I really just picked yeah. out like all of the really interesting stuff because you know some of it was repetitive and I I didn't want to pull from commentaries and things like that. Um, but you can see you can hear me sort of evolve the show. Uh, 
over the course of like the first half of Back to the Future of, of the yeah, first movie, you know, I think. It, it's interesting thinking about it. It's like, I know from my perspective, a lot of Back to the Future Minute was a group of people, friends, you know, like-minded people celebrating and, and maybe maybe having a little bit of good-hearted fun with this property. Yeah. And it meant like, oh, well, you know, like kind of making jokes about Biff and Marty and and having fun with this thing in pop culture. But I think I think going, you know, after Chicago, after that me- that meetup, I I didn't really realize how many how many people were looking at this podcast genre, whatever you want to call it, as like a form of film criticism and film theory. Mm-hmm. And I really was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't realize we were doing that. And so I think as a result, Cornetto Minute has much more been a project of film theory. Yes. And and like looking at it academically, still having a lot of a lot of fun and laughing a lot, but not coming from it from a fandom place as much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I think I think that was the thing I was most nervous about with this um, was coming up with coming up with a show that felt different from Back to the Future Minute uh, was doing things differently from Back to the Future Minute and lived up to rather than like I said with Back to the Future Minute I felt like I we were we were we were podcasting in the shadow of Star Wars Minute when we got to Cornetto Minute I felt like we were podcasting in the shadow of the Cornetto trilogy of just like how good these movies are yes yeah um, you didn't feel like you were living up to another thing in your field right yeah in so the shadow uh, of it yeah so it was it was it was different but I I was actually surprised and very pleased with I mean I, I really do think we hit the ground running with this show where like episode one we had already kind of figured it out I felt like um yeah just with more purpose I think we started with mm-hmm. more direction yeah there was no there was no point where we were sort of figuring the show out I think we just sort of got it and I think by episode three we were like oh this is what we're doing that's what this show is mm-hmm. um and I and I think yeah I'm I'm really happy with how this show ended up. Yeah, me too. Obviously. I'm I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I, I I think we know where it belongs a little more. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. This one comes from uh, I'll say Nick R. In case you don't want your last name, the other the other two are have been on the podcast, so I can say their full name. Um, but this comes from Nick R. Who says, given the opportunity, which films in the trilogy? Like, which film set in the trilogy would you prefer to hang out on? Based on the cast alone, I feel like it would be tough not to say Hot Fuzz as the film set. Even though I love The World's End more, I think I'd be more excited to meet... Oh, the- I was thinking... I thought he meant, like, specific sets. <laughs> no, I think... I Which, which film's set? Um, okay. Like, which film in the trilogy set would you prefer to hang out on? Uh, and I think, I think for me, it would be, uh, it would be Hot Fuzz just because of, I mean, that's an insane cast and meeting Timothy Dalton would be awesome. And um, I don't know. I think, so, yeah, yeah, I think that yeah. one. I don't know. I think it would go with World's End. I think there's just so much cool stuff going on on that set. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. I don't know. For some reason, that's my answer. Yeah. I mean, I love the World's End, but there's just something about, um, just something about the set of hot fuzz that mm-hmm. I think I would like, but yeah. And then uh, specific to Sean, what's the first thing you can, you can point to that you have newly discovered by doing the podcast. 
Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've, I feel like we've said it so much on the show, but just, uh, the, the, the supporting performances have really, mm-hmm. like, I, I didn't think of Sean of the dead as an ensemble movie before doing the show, but now it's like, yeah, yeah. Like Lucy Davis and Dylan Moran and yeah, just a, a, a new found, a newfound respect for a, the writing of those characters and, and the work that Pag and Wright did on making these characters feel real on the page, but then also what the, what the performances brought to it. I definitely have a newfound appreciation for. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it is uh it is hard to sort of like look back at the 95 episodes of the show and like point to like <laughs> one thing uh that I I'm like, you know, is the thing that I mean, for me I think it would be that sort of uh the more of like what our theory about the the theme of the movie is um yeah. being you know, the way that it feels to, uh, you know, go from a immature relationship to a mature one, um, mm-hmm. you know, and letting go of like those child childish friends and childish yeah. things. What, and, whether it's a relationship to another person or your relationship to yourself. Right, right, right. Yeah. I think that's probably what I would I would uh, I, I'm most happy with as far as uh, what we came up with. And I think we, we first came up with that theory and in, in minute three. And and we never saw that contradict itself over the course of yeah, just, just how movie. many how dense and how foolproof Wright and Peg's work, you know, using the script to explore these themes, just again and again and again, just how often we would go back to just those basic themes in yeah. different ways, you know, yeah. visually and you know the setting and the sets. It was all right. like you know everyone was making the same movie as the saying goes right oh and oh i've got my i've got my little one though my just my little detail yeah. uh of of the thing that i can, that i've newly discovered because of the podcast uh i i have uh i, I know that tea means dinner now um oh yo oh my god yeah i mean all the the, <laughs> the listener that's another thing that i don't that was it's different from back to the future i i just love learning about the minutia of British culture and English culture from our listeners. Yes, I agree. I loved like, that. We, yeah, it's great. You know, the, 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 this, this, this job, this project is the best when you feel like it's a conversation mm-hmm. and not just like a broadcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's been really great. Oh yeah, absolutely agree. So then our, our last question comes from Lewis B who says that since this film was made before the idea of a trilogy was fully developed, are there any ways in which you feel Shaun of the Dead does not fit in with Hot Fuzz and The World's End? You know, oh man, I just feel like that question is going to, I feel like whatever I say now is going to be useless or outmoded by the time I f- we finish talking about Hot Fuzz. Yeah, or 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 even just like the whole trilogy. Um, but yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about... Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think about like the the themes between the trilogies, but I mean, they're all about you know growth. They yeah, all like, they like all have growth a, versus decay, like staying the mm-hmm. same versus progressing. Mm-hmm. They all have. Oh my god. Oh my god. Ed's a zombie at the end because he didn't grow up. He's decaying. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. He, he couldn't do it. He couldn't go on. Yeah. Wow. I'll just stay here and die. Wow. It's fine. Wow. Wow. Yeah, man. Wow. 
I didn't think about that. That's nuts. Okay. Anyway, that's, that's a really, that was a really poignant way of putting that. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I, uh, the only thing I'm I can think of to finding out. That yeah. Well, I mean, the only thing I can think of is the James Bond connection. This movie lacks a James oh, Bond connection. Right, yeah. It would be really great if this movie did have a bond. Yeah. Like if, if this had Roger Moore in it, that would be fantastic. I mean, you know, we have headcanoned the fact that Roger Moore plays big Al off screen. You just never see him. That that's, I think that's the only thing I can, I can legitimately, that's the only thing I can think of uh, that makes it not quite fit in. It's the one it's the one rogue element. Yeah. I, w- I will, in, in the same way of that, I will, in a, in a mirror image of that statement, it would be fantastic if Lucy Davis appeared in, in the other installments of the trilogy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. I, I, my brain said Lucy Davis. Uh, Jessica Hines. Oh, Jessica Hines. Oh, yes, yes. I would agree. I mean, I agree with both of them. Uh, and, both and of them, but, but doubly so. Let's, it would be great. Yeah. Let's throw <laughs> Kate <laughs> Ashfield in the mix, too. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Where are the ladies at? How about that? Know. It would be great God. if. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Imagine if imagine it's, if the yeah. marmalade sandwich hadn't been children uh, like they are in the movie um, and they yeah. had been like adult women and it was. Lucy Davis, Kate Ashfield, and uh, and Jessica Hines. Yeah, that would be amazing. Oh, that would be amazing. But I, I will say it is a bit of a bummer going into Hot Fuzz and Worlds and, and knowing that the, the 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 female presence on screen actually becomes like less so. Even though there are some fucking amazing female performances in both films, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, hashtag Doris Thatcher. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Uh, We'll get into it, but yeah, it, 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 I'd be lying if I said it wasn't like just like a little bit of a bummer going yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. And it, it'll be, it'll be something, I mean, we're, we're going to ring that bell a lot. I'm going to try to, I, and I think, I think we're both going to try not to like dog on it so much. Sure, yeah, be, beat a dead horse. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. We don't want to beat a dead horse, but we do, we will point out when we're just like, well... I mean, that could have been a woman or something like. Well, well, yeah, well, we'll point out when we think it. It will when we find new ways to talk about it. Right, you know? right, right. Um, we don't want to just. We won't just continuously just be like, man, there's really no women in this. Uh, that that would be boring. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it's certainly my my one and only complaint about Hot Fuzz. Yeah, that's it. That's the only complaint. You know, me, me looking at it from as a mountain I have not yet gone to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I genuinely don't know when I last saw that movie. Really? Interesting. No, I, I can't remember the last time I saw it. Oh, man, that's going to be a fun revisit for you. Definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, that's it. That's it. We're done. We don't have anything else to talk about. That's, that's Shaun of the Dead. It is, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time. And it was so fun covering it in this format. Uh, I think it really held up to this format uh, in, in ways that I wasn't even anticipating, I think. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and I am really, really excited to do the next two films. I really, really am. Uh, Cause I think, I think they might, I, well, I don't even think there's a might. I think they will hold up to the format even better. Well, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Scott. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we're going to do, we're going to do hot fuzz. We'll be back. We're going to take a hiatus. Um, I'm going to go do another movie by minute show, uh, the second season of Spider-Man minute. 
So uh, Spider-Man that's, Two, my favorite yeah. superhero movie of all time. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be doing that uh, in the hiatus, and then and then we'll be back on the sometime uh, later this year to talk about Hot Fuzz. In between those things, um, we might we might do a, a little hiatus special here and there. Just you to, never know. Just to keep the feed alive. I know at some point I want to record a commentary with me and Nick. That might be fun uh, to to pop in and do that at some point and and maybe we'll uh maybe we'll watch like a you know like Paul or something and just like talk yeah. about that for an episode. I don't know, something like that. Man up, who knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the main thing that we're going to be doing during the hiatus will be Scott Pilgrim Minute, which will be a weekly uh movies by minute podcast that we'll be making exclusive to our Patreon. And uh again, that's at duelinggenre.com/support. If you go there, $5 a month or higher at that level, you'll gain access to all of our bonus podcasts that we put out on our Patreon, which will include Scott Pilgrim Minute, uh, which will be a uh, just sort of like a a bunch of um, you know our 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 regulars uh, sort of getting together and talking about Scott Pilgrim a minute at a time. Uh, it'll be just sort of like a chill kind of hangout show, um, probably a lot more goofing off than this show yeah. was. Um, Mm -hmm. and I imagine a little less film theory, just like a little more, just kind of hanging out, talking about video games, talking about stuff like that. Um, just like a generally, uh, more of a, more of a chill kind of, uh, vibe. Not that this show wasn't chill, but it'll be, it'll really just feel like you're hanging out with us, I think. Yeah. Um, And all of that and more is available at, uh, patreon.com slash DGP or duelinggenre.com and then click on the support button. Yeah, do it. And then uh, we will be back next season for Hot Fuzz. But in the meantime, let's all have one last nice cold pint and wait for this hiatus to blow over. Slice of fried gold. Yeah, boy!